time. A sense of belonging in a company actually increases job performance by 56%. It's like a lot of times all of that 3D data is there. They've done the work. They've done the engineering. They've done the slopes. They've done all the 3D polylines are already in their file. There's just a huge disconnect between what they do and the builders right now. There's 13,000 available unfilled construction jobs in this country, 11 million available unfilled jobs overall in this country. One of the great culture things I see in construction is people just get it done. At the end of the day, we've built 100% of the building. There's no 80-20 rule. Think of the technology that has been that has been brought into existence in the last 60 years, and you think of the productivity gains that have, say, occurred in agriculture, which is up 1,750%, or manufacturing, which is up 400%, and construction is flat to negative. This was always supposed to just be a six-episode mini-series. <laughs> Stacey, I want to remind you of that. Hey, it's morning huddle time. Chad Prinky here with my good friend, Tom Hughes. Tom, what is happening this morning, my friend? Good morning, everybody. Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa, Tom says. Tom, fresh, <laughs> you're fresh off the flight from Japan, maybe, what, what uh, four days ago, and you're still jet-lagged? Yeah. <laughs> Take some time to get over that 13-hour time difference. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. So, all right. So if you're if you're joining us and you're disoriented, let me tell you what's going on. Uh, today is topsy-turvy. Number one, this was planned. I'm a guest. I think it's going to be a really easy job. I'm looking forward to it. Tom is going to be asking me questions. Now, it was supposed to be Tom and Stacy asking me questions, but we got the message from Stacy this morning under the weather has to go to the doctor. So now Tom's flying without a co-pilot and I'm going to be kind of obstinate as a guest. So good luck. All right. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll go off roading here just to bother Stacy a little bit and we're going to, we're going to have some fun here. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I'm sure she'll, she'll go back to the recording and have her head in her hands. Like, Oh God, never again. <laughs> what are, what are they going to talk about? What are they going to say? We're just yeah. going completely off script. Stacy. Sorry. We are, we are really, we're messing with, we're messing with her baby here. So, um, all right. So I, I will, I will lay the groundwork a little bit in terms of um, the, the whole idea with this. I, you know, I, I interviewed Stacy, I think it was back in season two about uh, marketing in, in the AEC industry. And Stacy brought up this year that it might make sense for this season to uh, interview me. And, and I, I was wondering exactly what about, and, uh, and then I did this, I did a talk at the NAWIC conference that we, we talked about a little bit, uh, during, you know, we were, we were promoting through the morning huddle last season. And, and that talk was all about how to drive change inside your organization when you're not necessarily the boss, right? Whether you are or aren't, but, but, uh, talking to a, a room full of people, who aren't necessarily uh, the owner of the company, but who are in leadership roles or executive roles, or, or in some cases, you know, uh, up and coming, you know, future leaders, how do you influence change in your organization? So uh, that is the direction that Stacy wanted this thing to go. She came to that talk and she said, I think, I think uh, we could interview you about that. So Stacy had great questions, Tom. I don't know if you have any. I, I've got none. So we're just going we'll <laughs> to go off the, fly off the seat of our pants here. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so just a little housekeeping before we get started. I see the chat over uh, on the right-hand side, but 
it's not letting me interact with people in the chat. So yeah. you don't see me reply or if I don't like your chat, it's I it's not allowing me to do that. So uh, I will, you know, address questions as we get through to the end here. Um, but just just to let everybody know. Thanks, Tom. Uh, yeah, like do post the questions. Questions. Definitely post the questions, but Tom's not going to be typing back to you. And, and I, as a guest, I'm definitely not typing back to you. So, all right. So, um, you know, as Chad alluded to, he has something outside of the morning huddle that is actually his full-time gig, which I was floored to discover. Uh, so, so Chad, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do in your, uh, in your quote unquote, regular nine to five with sure. Wellbuilt consulting? It's considerably more boring than this. This is, uh, no, my, my, what could be more fun? What could, nothing, nothing <laughs> could be more fun. Um, I, I, so Wellbuilt Construction Consulting is a, uh, team of people dedicated to driving positive change in the construction industry. Uh, we do that one company and project team at a time. We probably spend the majority of our time building and executing strategic business plans. So if you think about a company is at point A and they want to go to point B, point B might be you know larger, more offices, better profitability, happier customers, happier employees, things like that. We build the, uh, we work with them, right? It's not our plan. It's we, we co-build it, but we build a strategic business plan to take them from point A to point B over a predetermined, um, uh, you know, amount of time. And then we are their partner in executing that plan, which might be holding them accountable to building those job descriptions that they said they needed to build. It might be jumping in the trenches with them to make sure that they have a great go-to-market strategy, and they know how they're gonna how they're gonna achieve their growth goals. It might even be doing certain things for them because they're too busy and they don't have the time to work on the business while they're so busy working in it. Right. So that is the core business, and if you can imagine all the sort of fun things that come from that leadership development and uh, process creation and comprehensive internal training programs and, and things like that. Uh, that's, that's what we're doing day in, day out. I'm very fortunate to be surrounded by some really smart people who help me with that work and uh, who, who frankly are, are driving the bus more often than I am at this point, which is pretty cool. Awesome. Um, so in that role, how do you kind of help organizations see or understand or identify, you know, when there is, you know, a need for change? So the, that is the, the central point of it, I think, is that you can't, you can't change anything unless people think something needs to be changed. Um, so I, I think what it all starts with for us is curiosity and a genuine desire to understand how things work today and then a non-judgmental and this is this is the thing that I would pass along to anybody that's trying to create positive change inside their own organizations is that you have to be able to look at things through a non-judgmental lens and not say this is um, the, the way we're doing things is bad but instead focus on the results that we're not happy with so so what we, 
the 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 most important thing in terms of identifying the need for change is identifying results that we don't like and then and then starting to kind of work backwards from there okay we have this result we don't like we can mutually agree that we should be at a 12% net profit but we're actually at an 8% net profit what's going on and we start to walk back that we're missing 4% where's that coming from and uh, the, the, so, so I think, um, man, I could have said this way faster, Tom. Uh, <laughs> That's right. We have to kill time anyway without Stacy. <laughs> without Stacy, what are we going to do? <laughs> um, uh, but I think um, starting with the end in mind and talking about the results that we're not getting and creating mutual agreement that we want different results. Then we've got people who are at least bought in to a need for change. Do they know what the change is gonna be at that point? No, I mean, if we're doing it right, we're not sure what the change is yet. The first thing we've got is just buy-in that change is necessary because we're getting results that we don't like. Right. And, and, and there's that old saying, right? Like if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to get what you've been getting. So clearly you're going to need to change what you've been doing. And a lot of times, you know, the answer isn't always, well, we've always done it this way. So we're going to keep doing it that way, this way. That's not, you know, the right mindset in a lot of organizations. But that's the, that, that is the status. The status quo is the hardest thing to overcome. The, 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 um, almost just uh, complete and total stasis that a company gets itself in where it's where they're so busy doing the work every day that they don't want to mess around with anything. But if we can get them talking about the results they don't like, we can get them recognizing that it's not acceptable to say, we've always done it this way, so we're just going to keep doing it. It's it's basically, if they say, well, we've always done it this way, say, well, do you like the results you're getting? No, I don't like the results I'm getting. You know, you answered that question for yourself, sir, right. you know, or ma'am, right? Like you, 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 you now need to recognize that if you're, if you're unhappy with what you're getting, you have to change what you're doing. Right. And then, um, so in your, uh, your organization's focus on on change. What is what do you find mostly that you're you're dealing with 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 other organizations? Whether you're focusing on strategic changes, you know, operational changes, uh, succession planning, all of the above. So, man, oh man, the I think the biggest change, the most consistently necessary change is a change in thinking. And sometimes that is broad cultural thinking. We as an organization tend to think we're better than everyone else and that's a problem. Or we tend to think there's nothing that you can do about this you know, problem in the industry so we just live with it and that's a problem. So sometimes it's broad cultural thinking that needs to change. Other times it's really specific. It's often, you know, it's, it's always both. Other times it is really specific individual thinking. <clears throat> you know, I think because I'm the boss, um, I have to uh, rule with an iron fist or I have to uh, boss people around or because I'm not the boss, 
I'm not allowed to have opinions or I've got to kind of suck it up and just endure whatever the company is, you know, deciding to do uh, any kind of flawed thinking right? that we can help people to see your thinking is creating your actions and your actions are what's creating the result you don't like. So like fundamentally, if we're going to change your actions, the first thing we have to do is change your thinking because yeah. Right. Because I, I can tell you do this thing, but if you don't believe it, if you don't think that that's something that's going to work, if you're not bought into that, you're not going to do it all the way. You're going to give up when it gets hard. You're going to do it in a half hearted way. And you're going to come back to us and say, we tried the new thing. It didn't work. And what what we strive to do is to create um, a shift in thought. And once we get the shift in thought, if we can create then a change in in action, um, we're, we're pretty confident that we'll get the results, you know, the change in result that we're looking for. And, um, and then, you know, just really tangibly. So that was, that was kind of, uh, you know, uh, broad or big picture. Uh, I'll, I'll give some pretty specific things. Uh, almost always there are processes that need to be changed. Just take a look at the business and there's either a total lack of process or an old way of doing things or everybody's kind of doing things their own way and we're getting very inconsistent results. And there, there's a time and place for creativity and going off script, but your core business functions that you do like every single day, day in, day out in project management and estimating and field supervision, things like that probably need to be structured processes. So right. that's one of the, the things that I would say is... Um, we do in almost every case, um, and uh, uh, and then changing uh, another another change that's almost universal is uh, that there's not enough um, tracking data, reporting, business feedback. So um, that's also almost always an early business change where we're like, we'll ask questions like, "Well, how much work do you get with Company A?" and they're like. We don't know. I mean, I guess we could figure that out. Or, you know, what's your hit rate with, uh, you know, company A? And they're like, we, we're not sure. You know, starting, you know, changing the idea of we've got to use tools to get data and use data to make decisions. That's another major change. It's yeah. Like and a, a lot of this, you know, these changes come out of growth, right? So as the companies grow, they got to recognize that they can't operate the way that they did as a you know a smaller 10 person firm now they're 100 people and ooh, we got to have we have to have procedures in place and and how do we even do that what what got you there won't get you to the next place and Absolutely. and i think you know um certain aspects will you know like you got to keep certain things of like who makes you what makes you who you are and um but that's i think that's right tom yeah and i th and and to go along with that mark Drury had a, had a good point, uh, understanding that growth is essential to retaining top performing top performers and that growth is continual improvement, right? So you got to understand who your core people are, who your best people are and, and retain those people in order to continue to grow. You know, that pyramid just keeps getting bigger and bigger and you need to have the right people in place to allow the structure to continue that way. That's right. Yeah. I'll never forget. I had a, a very good friend and uh, and client several years ago who I met with for breakfast and he was just on top of the world man they were they were crushing it they were having a great 
year on top of a great year on top of a great year. And I said, you know, we're, we're, things are going really well. And he said, you know, I think we're, I think we're going to stay right here. Like, I don't want to do anything more. You know, this is just, is just where we want to be. And I said, oh man, <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry. It's just not the way this works. And, and we, you know, had this really interesting conversation about it. It was like, okay, so how did you get here? Well, I have an amazing vice president of estimating, amazing vice president of field operations, an amazing vice president, uh, uh, you know, of, of project management. And they're really running the business for the company. They, I mean, it's, it's just on fire. How old is this one? 40. How old is this one? 36. How old is this one? 32. Okay, cool. So you're going to go back and tell those guys, hey guys, we're not growing anymore. How's that going to go? <laughs> right? When they when you have this pitch to your people who have careers and, and goals in front of them, how's it going to go? And, and um, you know, it, it really is a, a reality that to Mark's point that, you, you know, growth is a part of what is a necessary formula to retain your very best people. That, that, that story doesn't have an awesome ending, by the way. They, they did lose two of their three VPs because of that oh, uh, really? desire to stay the same. And guess what? The owner's like every day slammed back running all these things in the business because he wanted to stay the same. Right. And, and sometimes staying the same might be the right answer. You know, maybe you don't want to continue to grow and grow until this, you know, international level firm, but there may come to a point where it's, all right, we've grown, we've grown, we've grown. Maybe this is where we want to stay or maybe not. And that's an, that's something that the, the, you know, the organizational leadership needs to, you know, come to a decision on. So, so I, I, I think, so I'm going to, I'm going to disagree in that. I think you always have to grow. Um, uh, I just think def defining growth is important defining what what we mean by growth. I uh, if, if by growth, maybe you substitute the word growth with progress and and that gets to be an easier conversation for everybody to buy into, because I don't disagree with the fact that sometimes it's appropriate to say, like, we're going to push pause. We're not operationally prepared to, to take on any more work or we don't want to take on any more work or we're not looking to expand geographically any further or whatever else. Sometimes that can be appropriate. But when the message is, we're, we're, we want to stay just right here all the, you know, in, in it, what you're doing is you're saying we progress has stopped and that turns people's brains off. And also if you have, you got to be plugged into your executive team. If the story was different and his VP of ops was 62 and the next guy was 58 and the next guy was, uh, you know, uh, 65, uh, it, it may have been totally appropriate to, in fact, you know, stay the same and maybe even let's, you know, build a plan to wind this thing down or find a succession model or, you know, whatever else. So, yeah, I mean, having that succession, having that succession plan in place is, is hyper important for your continued growth. Yeah, and you got, and you I agree with you on that conversation. Progress. You got to start that conversation way earlier than you think. Right. Um, and I think you know part of the the growth and continuous improvement is is kind of getting people out of their out of their comfort zones. Right. That's a, that's probably a major part of of what you deal with. Um, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that or. Sure. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, uh, people. It's w w humans. There's been all kinds of studies done on this. Humans are interesting when it comes to change. We actually like change a lot. We just don't like risk and fear and pain. Uh, so. So change, if people can see the benefit of that change, 
gets much more comfortable than if they are fixated on loss, loss framing on like, you know, wh wh how is this change going to in some way make my life worse? What organizations need to get really good at is recognizing confront. It's not like you gloss over the negatives. Like you got to recognize those negatives, those, those potential risks, those potential fears. Yes. This change in bonus structure is concerning for you because of X or Y or Z worry, but here is the upside. And this is why we're doing it. Companies need to get really good at uh, messaging things so that people understand and appreciate the benefits of change, not just the risks and um, sadness that comes with departing from what you're used to. Again, humans like change. We just don't like risk and fear and, uh, and, and, and pain. So when it comes to getting people out of their comfort zones, it's kind of like wading in, you know, to a, to a cold pool or something like that. Right. It's like, you know, you, you, you can't, if, if somebody's wading in and screaming, oh my God, that's cold. You know, that's, it's, it's scary for the people that are outside the pool. Right? We're yeah. all like, you know what, never mind. I'm going to skip it. Um, uh, and, and I, and I think you have to, I think you have to, um, you know, focus on how refreshing that might be or how, you know, how, how good it is when you get out, you know, or whatever else. So anyway. Yeah. And I think I, I want to go back to something that you said earlier in regards to, you know, not so much calling it change, but progress or framing it as, as progress or continuous improvement. So if you kind of frame it in that way, do you see there's a lot more, you know, embracing of that, of that. Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's it. And in, in, in particular, when you kind of have an organizational expectation that we are always going to seek to improve, we're always going to be thinking about how we can do things different and better it becomes a part of the culture. It's kind of natural that people expect by virtue of that objective change. They expect change to some extent. Now, what, what sometimes you get pushback on change for good reason. Sometimes change is the change. And we've learned this the hard way. For, you know, we'll look at a situation and we'll see a result that we don't like. We'll get people bought into the idea that the, here's this result. Let's get on the same page. We want to change that result. And then we develop some approach to uh, fixing that result that starts to get an inordinate amount of resistance. When that happens, we've, and we've, like I say, learned this the hard way. But when that happens, we've, we've trained ourselves to go directly to that issue and say, hey, we're meeting a whole lot of resistance. Let's double check and make sure that there's a that we're online on board with the need to change. Yes, we're on board with the need to change. Okay, it's our approach or it's the change that we have in mind that's a problem. Um, sometimes change will be rejected like a bad organ, and uh, and and it's important to listen to the 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 organism. Sorry, I'm, I'm analogy heavy right now, uh, but you know it's um, but it's important to listen to to the organization that's that's saying nope, not that one. And it's so if we if we remain bought into the desire to change the result, it may be that we have to pursue a different course of action in terms of the change result. Right. Yeah. Um, so you know it, it, the going back to the embracing the change. Uh, you know, you find that you're seeing, you, you still see a lot of people with that mindset of, you know, that's how we've always done things. How do you 
kind of help get them over that hurdle or, or once they're already coming to you, they're, they're past that. <laughs> yeah. So this is what's funny. By the time somebody is approaching well-built, by the time they're approaching us, they have identified a result that they don't like, and they may even have some change in mind that they want to enact themselves. We may or may not agree with that course of action, so we'll always go through some sort of discovery process to develop our own perspectives so that we're not just saying, you know, if, if it's kind of like a patient walking in and being like, hey, doc, knee hurts, need surgery. You'd be a bad doctor if you were like, okie doke, and grabbed a scalpel and just started cutting, right? So we don't, we don't do that, but sometimes they do come to us and they're ready for change. So at that, at that um, top level of the organization, they may be ready for change. It doesn't change. It doesn't, it doesn't, that won't mean that the rest of the organization will follow as a lot of the owners and, and executives that are on this, uh, you know, watching this session today or, or joining the show, it, it will tell you, you know, driving employee change is probably just as difficult as driving change in the organization from the bottom up. And so I'll go back to that question. Like, do I find that people are, this is the way we've always done things. So we're just going to keep it that way. Uh, not outwardly. Something has happened maybe in the past 10 years in the industry uh, where people at least do recognize that saying that out loud is kind of, you know, um, faux pas, right? Like you're not supposed right. to do that. And yeah. And they know that like, that's bad thinking, you know, the way we've always done things, stop thinking that way. But it, but it doesn't change that that might be the underlying principle. And again, it's about winning over thought. And, and to do that, I, I, it, I'll go back to those thoughts we, we covered right at the beginning, but just reemphasize them is it's curiosity. Why do things work the way they do? How do they work without judgment? So I'm not saying, God, the way you're doing that's so stupid, Bill. Why are you doing it that way? That's the old way. We stopped doing that. When you approach people that way, they get defensive, their walls up, they're not listening, and you're not going to drive change. You're just going to you know, prove you're right. Well, that's not useful. Right? Right. That's, not, that's not what we're actually – you're trying to prove you're right or you're trying to actually tr drive change. So if you're trying to drive change in the organization, be curious to figure out why things work the way they do. Be non-judgmental about what you see and call out – what you see is working and not working, but not, you know, that's stupid or, 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 or bad or whatever else. Hey, it's, it's coming to my attention that when we have, have this issue in the, you know, when this part of the process occurs, uh, we oftentimes are missing details that don't go back to accounting. Do you see that? Try to point things out to the irrefutable. So if you remove yeah. judgment, you can just focus on the irrefutable and then you can get people's thought process changed. And once they want change, then they can be your partner in helping to build the solution. It could be your idea all day. As long as they feel like it's a part of theirs, it's great. Right. Um, all right. So time check here. We got uh, we, 927. We got a couple minutes. Um, I don't see any other questions coming in. Uh, I don't know if you want to do a little housekeeping before we get off of here. I did have a you know, some other questions, but I don't, that might put us over time. So you it's all, it, it's all good. It, it, it hit me with, hit me with one more there. I think. How about, have, yeah. Okay. How about, uh, you know, tools that organizations can use, uh, in regards to, you know, help to drive change, you know, um, any types of, any types of artificial intelligence usage that, uh, 
you know, we see this explosion of, of AI and we're all trying to come up with new ways of which we can utilize AI to our, to our benefits. Is that anything that you're thinking about, you know, looking five, 10 years into the, down the road? Um, tools to help drive change and the role of artificial intelligence. So I, I think first off, the most effective tools to help drive change fall into the two, to, I think, two categories. The first is data producing tools. So um, when faced with, again, the irrefutable, the facts, that data is often the most influential piece of creating buy-in to the need for change. So it's very difficult to illustrate that an organization needs to change one of their key people or change one of their processes or hire somebody or create a new department or any number of things without the hard data to back that right. up. Sure. And particularly when you're trying to do that from the bottom up, Owners are looking at return on investment. They're looking at facts, data, proof, right? That's what they want to see. They want to see evidence that this change is going to work. And if you don't have the data on the at the outset to support a case that you're making for change, you're going to be really hamstrung and dependent on, does that owner like you? Do they trust you? Do they see you as credible? And that alone, which I, I would even say that an owner who would just make a gut decision based off of those things is probably not doing the right thing for the organization. So that's the first category is we, if you want to look at, at tools to help you to drive change, when it comes to like your go get department, your go get work department, things like CRM um, that help you to track, you know, how much work you're getting from whom you're getting it, the average gross profit right. on the sale, um, you know, the, the, the activity levels that we're spending inside these accounts and things like that. Uh, on the operation side, things like, um, you know, project management software that give you, you know, uh, real hard data on uh, performance on, you know, schedule and uh, maintaining budget and creating uh, buyout through good purchasing practices and, you know, all those types of things. And it's the the overall, it's a time overall KPIs, right? To, yeah. Exactly. And and when we come in and our clients don't have that, we're, we're actually not even really focused so much on driving change as we are on in, you know, inputting the, those those tools to yeah. gather data. So right. the, the other bucket of, of change driving tools, I would uh, say, are, are tools that help to enable to, to make change um, as seamless and as smooth as possible. I oftentimes tell people like, you, you have to give people tools that they like using that when they use, make their jobs easier. And if you can bake the change into these tools that are, are helping them and making people feel good, then uh, the change is almost uh, imperceptible. You know, all of a sudden we went from doing it this way to doing it that way, just because the new tool helped us to do it this new way. And like, all of a sudden, you know, there's no resistance because it, it just kind of uh, flies in. So can artificial intelligence play a role in that? I think so. I don't think any of the chat GPT style um, AI that we're talking about, you know, in the, in the most you know recent zeitgeist 
uh, is is so much what I'm thinking there. I'm thinking more along the lines of your know, tools that help us to make really good sense of the data that we have and that produce uh, in for, you know, that help us to what's the right word? Automate things that we want people to do. If we can yeah. get machines to do the things we want people to do, right. that's really nice. <laughs> that's, that's really nice. And, and it removes the friction uh, between a person, you know, uh, having to do things this new way and uh, instead having just this new way kind of naturally occur. Right. All right. Uh, so now we're over time. We're, it's in, all good. Uh, we're in the first. Very common. I don't think we finished a show at by nine 30 since season one, man. <laughs> all right. It's good. All good. Good. Um, so uh, another comment here from uh, Dennis Kasich. I've seen bottom up growth that led to the company falling apart. Uh, management just not ready to support Me that too. growth, and I think that just that's more common than not, right? Me too. Yeah, it's I I liken it to a machine, Dennis. I I think about it like this, you know, um, the it, it, it's it, how much can the machine that's your business, how much can the machine handle uh, in its current form, and if you start asking too much of that machine, pressure testing that machine beyond its current capabilities, the bolts are going to start popping and the wheels are going to fly off. So the real trick, and this is what WellBuilt does, the real trick is coming in at the outset and doing a, a baseline assessment of what the machine is capable of doing today. And if the goal is growth, and if the goal is we want to double or triple, or we want to add six new offices or any number of those things, what we're doing is we're testing the organization through its systems, its processes, its people, its culture, its right, all these things. We're identifying, is it growth ready? And if it's not growth ready, then we focus on a series of changes that will help to, you know, to make it a, a better, a well, you know, a well-built machine to, to, you know, to, to be able to, to handle that growth. So, we're, you know, uh, to continue with the analogy, reinforcing the welds, right? And 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 we're changing out, you know, components, and and that's the equivalent of uh, hires, changing positions, doing a reorg. You know, sometimes it, you know, the way it's all set up is wrong. Uh, process development, training, skill development, and it may be a year, two years, five years before you can really start putting the pedal down on that machine and growing depending on how much work needs to go in to make sure that when you do grow, you can handle it. But I totally, I totally agree, Dennis. It's like, it, it's, it's um, the thing that will kill a business is not too little work. It's too much work and an ability to handle it. Awesome. Uh, yeah. As always, Chad, good stuff. And there was uh, never a doubt that we wouldn't be able to fill 30 minutes between, <laughs> between you and I. That's well, and and I think um, I I while I miss Stacy, I think she'd be proud of you. <laughs> we'll see what she see what she texts me later. Tom, thank you so much for being with us. So, guys, for anybody who doesn't know, Tom is uh, the director of construction, or vice president of construction. I don't know. Yes, he's correct. important. He's freaking <laughs> important, and he's a head, and he's in charge of construction at uh, Genesis AEC, which is a, a, a totally um, 
integrated uh, architecture, engineering, and construction uh, company. Uh, we've had him on the show before as a guest. Uh, we've also had him on as like a supporting co-host. And now he is officially, will you just not be our competitor, Tom? Just not, don't open a competitive podcast to beat us. No, that's fine. Well, I'll join, we'll join forces. It's fine by me. All right. Awesome. I love, I love having you here. Um, look forward to doing it again sometime. Thank you for interviewing me. I hope that the audience had uh, some, some, uh, some fun, uh, you know, hearing about the thoughts that are banging around in my head. Uh, we'll be shifting back to normal uh, next week. And, uh, and next week uh, we have joining us. Let's see here. Uh, oh yeah, we have uh, Scott Pepper from Mobilization Funding. So we're going to be talking about cash flow, and um, right. which is which is something that contractors are thinking about all the time, particularly contractors that self-perform that have the you know needs to purchase equipment and purchase materials and and you know keep a staff of field employees and field managers busy. How do they deal with the unique cash flow cycles that um, exist in the construction industry. So Scott's going to be joining us and bringing a large, um, a, a large web following with him uh, to, uh, to, to check out the huddle for the first time, which would be nice. And um, we look forward to having him. So Scott, thank you uh, in advance for, uh, for, for being ready to, to uh, jump into the huddle next week. Um, right, cool. Looking forward to that and appreciate the plug there, Chad. Absolutely, my friend. Yeah. And as always, folks, please let us know if you or somebody that you know uh, would be somebody to spread the word about positive change uh, in the building industry. We're always looking for guests. We've got uh, everybody booked up through the fall, but we will be uh, looking to fill up the, the, uh, the winter. So please do reach out and, uh, and let us know if you have any ideas on that front. Other than that, I think we're good to go. Tom, thanks again, man. All right. See you later, buddy. Yeah, huddlers. Later. Thank you.